Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. So, no bulletin today, no announcements, no praise and prayer. We want to keep things real simple and real focused on what this season is all about. My goal for this morning is we're just going to give ourselves some time to be together, to honestly, we've, we've already praised God through singing some familiar carols. I want to give us some things to think about, just a little bit of a reflection, and then I know many of you are here with family, and we want to give you as much time as possible to go home and be with them today as well. So we're going to honor that by keeping things a little on the shorter side this morning. No one's ever complained and said, Jeff, your message was too short. So maybe you'll be the first. I don't know. We'll see. Well, let me pray here and then we'll, we'll get into a few thoughts. God, once again, as we open your word, it is precious to us. It reveals to us the truth about your son, Jesus. We're going to look at a familiar story this morning, Lord. But I pray that it would do something in us that perhaps is unfamiliar. It would bring about a great change. But maybe if it is familiar, I pray that it would renew something, a change that has taken place, but maybe has kind of grown cold over time. Whatever you want to accomplish this morning, Father, Christmas is for you. It's your holiday. It's for you. It's for your glory. And we are the people who want to honor that. Amen. So when I think about Christmas, the word tradition comes to mind, like I'm sure it does for many of us. Traditions are things that we do or patterns that we follow which help us to remember or celebrate a certain occasion, right? When I was a kid growing up in southern Manitoba, Christmas time certainly had its traditions. On our Peter's side of the family, each Christmas my grandparents would select one of us cousins as we learned how to read and they would say, okay, it's your turn this year to read the Christmas story from Luke 2 at our Christmas gatherings. And, you know, we, I had 14, including me, there were 14 of us cousins. So after 14 years, everyone had done this thing. And then my grandma's like, well, do we just go through it all again or do we do something different? And my grandma decided that, okay, tradition is we read the story, but we're going to do it a little bit different. And she actually memorized the whole thing word for word from Luke 2, and she recited it for us one year. So that was, that was a tradition that carried on with a slight twist. On my Bergman side of the family... My grandpa, he would always take time after our Christmas meal to read the Christmas story for us. And he had one of these voices, like I think he should have probably been in radio. He just had one of these voices that when you heard it, it made you just feel like you were sitting by a fire and you were warm and cozy and all that kind of stuff. He would read it for us and then he would ask us if we could all go around the room. And there was often like 40 to 50 of us in the room and he would say, I would like everyone to share something about why Christmas is meaningful to you. And I I thank God for the rich faith in in both the Peters and the Bergman side of my family. But on the Bergman side, as people are going around sharing why Christmas is meaningful to them, often it would be inspirations of scripture and and days gone by and memories of church and things like that. So it's just great to, to hear these faith testimonies. My parents continued to reinforce these kinds of traditions in our home and made Jesus the center of our Christmas celebrations too. I'm grateful that my parents and my grandparents were not shy in demonstrating their faith and hope in Jesus by loving him, honoring him, and prioritizing him as an example to us kids and grandkids. Once Karen and I got married, 
and started our own family, we knew that we wanted to make sure that our kids also understood that Christmas wasn't about gifts and food and just being together as family. Those are really just kind of symptoms of Christmas, but that's not the source of what Christmas is all about. It was about Christ, and it's about the gift that he is to us from God. So when our kids were little, Karen and I, we would read the Christmas story, and the kids would use this nativity set. What, what was the brand name of that thing? Not Fisher Price or Little Tykes or Little Likes. I don't know, one of those little things, little something, right? So they would use this plastic nativity scene with camels and all this inaccuracies in it. And we would read the Christmas story and, and the kids would dance around with these things on the floor and act it all out for us. And, and that's how we kind of instilled in them all the things that were going on. Some years our, our Christmas traditions have changed a little bit and they've become a little bit more in-depth than others. And, and we'll often we'll pray together before we open presents or we'll, we'll read a piece of the Christmas story and I'll we'll ask some questions. We'll have a, a discussion about who Christ is and, and why this matters. Every year, though, it's, it's never a question, are we going to go to church Christmas Eve? What do you think? Should we do that? I mean... I'm a pastor, I kind of have to be here, but the rest of my family doesn't, but they still say, yeah, of course, this is what we do. We're Christians. We celebrate Christ. We're going to be in church, so we always do that. For our family, it hasn't been the same Christmas celebration every year. The way we celebrate Christmas has changed over time as the kids grow up, and it probably will continue to change. And I think traditions are good, but if we get locked into a tradition, sometimes we forget what the meaning of that tradition is. Shaking us loose from the predictable pattern is good and even necessary sometimes. The traditions that we have as Christians are only effective if they assist us in worshiping God and remembering what he's done for us. For me, the most important factor in any Christmas tradition or or practice or celebration that we have, whether it's for the first time that we're observing a tradition or maybe this has been something that's gone on for generations, the most important part is that we remember it's an opportunity for us to share and reinforce the importance of Jesus with the next generation and also with ourselves. So on this Christmas Sunday, we're going to blend the old and the new together. We're going to read an ancient but absolutely true story of the birth of Christ. But in a few places in the story, we're going to stop and we're going to ponder. We're going to ask some questions in an effort to take what's going on in this story and see if that's what's going on in us today. The reason we're doing this is because we don't want to just read a story again because that's what you do at Christmas. That's not the point. We want to invite God to speak to us. We want to invite him to lead us this Christmas, lead us closer to him once again. And God knows the desire of each and every one of our hearts. He knows exactly the, the warmth that you're feeling or the coldness that you're feeling. He knows the desire that you have or the lack of desire. He knows the excitement you have for Christmas or the joy you have when it's December 26th and you can get on with the rest of your life, right? We all come at this thing from different angles. But the most important thing about you and me is that God knows exactly what we need for our relationship with him to be strengthened on this day. So we're just going to trust him as we read this story that he will lead us. I'm not planning to put anything on the screen this morning. I just want to give us time to think and ponder on our own. So this is from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. 
This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So that's just the first little section that we're going to read. Let's pause and think a little bit here. So Mary and Joseph, they knew that their son who was to be born was going to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The angel Gabriel had told them that in Luke chapter 1. So Mary and Joseph, they had this promise that God had given to them, that that God had taken over their lives with. But God had promised something to all people through the promise that he gave to Mary and Joseph. God promised that the Messiah he would provide for them would be a descendant of King David and be born in Bethlehem. Now these two details, sometimes we think, okay, well Luke's just trying to flesh out the story and he's adding stuff in there and I don't really know how important it is. But the fact that Jesus is part of King David's family and that he's born in Bethlehem are actually crucially important. These were promises that people were waiting to be fulfilled in those days. Jeremiah 33 verse 15 says, In those days and at that time I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. So this is a description of Jesus from a long time ago, many hundreds of years before Jesus was born. This is a prophecy that talks about how Jesus, the Messiah, would come from David's family line. And in Micah 5 verse 2 it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. So here's another prophecy that says that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. God's promises were made a long time ago, and here they are being fulfilled in the Christmas story. So my question for you this morning is this. Are you living in the promises of God, just like Mary and Joseph were? God has promised us so much, friends. He's promised us more than just a celebration on December 25th. (laughs) December 25th isn't in the Bible. He's promised us so much more than a celebration of his son's birth. Do you know what he's promised you? Are you aware of it? Do you treasure it? In the Bible, God promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. He'll forgive us and he'll separate our sins as far as the east is from the west. He says that we can share in his divine nature. That's incredible. He says that we can have friendship with him and we can have eternal life through him. That's just to name a few of those promises that are in scripture. We said this a couple Sundays ago. There's over 3,000 promises in the Bible that God has made to you and me. The Christmas story reveals to us how important it is to know And believe in the promises of God for ourselves. Anything that God says he will do, he does. And this is true about your life and my life today. Not just for Mary and Joseph in a story that we read that's 2,000 years old. So are you willing to take the time to discover 
and cling to the promises of God so that your life is prepared to be filled with the presence of God. It's just something to think about. So we'll continue in our, in our Christmas story here from Luke uh, 2 verse 8 now. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news and will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. With that, with the angel, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So what stands out to me in this section is something really interesting. When the angel who came to speak to the shepherds uh, gave this message, the angel didn't invite the shepherds or ask them or even command them to go and look for Jesus. Did you notice that? The angel doesn't say, go there or do this or, hey, would you come or what do you think? He didn't do any of that. The angel just gave them the message. What I'm saying to you is good news. This is meant to fill everyone with joy. And then the angel simply gave them the facts about Jesus' birth and closed by saying, you will find. And then gives a description, this baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Friends, the thing that stands out to me about this is that Jesus is findable. He's not a mystery. He's not something that is hidden from us, that, that there's no way we could ever comprehend him or seek him or find him or anything like that. But the angel just said, no, here's the facts. This, this, ha- this has happened, and he's over there. In, in Acts 17, verse 27, Paul explains the relationship between God and the people, that's us, whom God has created, says this, His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Isn't that great? The purpose of God is to be found. He's not hard to find. He's not far away from anyone. He's close to every single one of you. You may say, ah, you know, I just, I don't, I'm not sure about this whole church thing and Jesus and all this stuff. I kind of just come to church Christmas and Easter. Otherwise, you know, I'm doing my own thing. He's not far from you. He's not far from anyone. For the shepherds, he was so close that they could go and see him face to face, which is incredible. And they didn't need to be told to do it. They recognized a good thing when they heard it. So my question for you this morning is this, what are we waiting for? We know the facts about Jesus. We know that he loves us and he came to this earth. We know that he came with a purpose to give his life as a sacrifice to save us all from our sins. Are we interested in that or not? That's really what it is, right? Like it's, we're not, we're not trying to unwrap something that is so complex and difficult to understand that no one, unless you're a scholar of the Bible, could ever have a relationship with Jesus Do you want him? 
That's what the question is this morning. The shepherd said, yes, this is good. I want what this is that has been described to us. So the shepherd said, let's go to Bethlehem. So in our lives today, friends, we can make that same choice. We can say, yeah, let's go to church. Let's go discover Jesus in his word. Let's go serve him. Let's go to the rally and worship and pray together with the church. I mean, these are things where we get to experience Christ in our lives here today. There isn't a single person who does not have the opportunity to find God in this world that we live in. The question is, will we look for him? The one who is not far from any of us. Continuing our story in Luke 2 from verse 16, says this about the shepherds. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying God, praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I love this section. This is maybe my favorite part, okay? The shepherds, they lay eyes on Jesus. They come to this manger scene and they see this baby wrapped in strips of cloth, just like the angels described. They come face to face with Emmanuel. They see God. So what do they do as a result? They told everybody what they saw and they praised God. Friends, when we have some sort of encounter with Jesus, is it okay For us to react like the shepherds did? Yeah. It's actually the right thing to do. It's not only okay, it's necessary. When we experience God by learning something about him, seeing him answer a prayer in our lives, renew our hearts in some way, fill us with gladness, change our minds about something, convict us about sin, give us peace in the middle of chaos, do a great work of healing and restoration in our lives. Any one of those things, the right response is the response of the shepherds. We tell people and we praise God. We encourage others to know Jesus when we talk about how we have experienced him ourselves. We praise God because he once again made us more and more, or made himself more and more knowable for us. Our praise affirms what we have experienced. You know, so, um, so often when, when I get a chance to, to talk to someone about Jesus, maybe help them to make a first-time decision to trust in God, one of the first things I'll tell them is, okay, find a church. Do you own a Bible? Can I tell you about prayer? But then the next thing is, I want you to go and tell someone. Go and tell your best friend. Go and tell your parents. Go and tell your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, whatever. Tell someone about what you just experienced. You know why? Because it makes it real. When you, when you speak it out loud, it's not like you just go away and say, did that really happen? That was weird. I don't know if that was really me or what was going on there. No, but when you go and you tell someone, it's like, you'll never believe this. This guy with a beard, he talked to me. He told me about Jesus. I trust in him. My life is different now. I feel it. And I'm telling you because I want you to know the joy that I have. Right? When we do that, it's real for us. I think this Christmas... We need to see that this ancient Christmas story that we've just read this morning is actually meant 
to be our story. This isn't a passage that we just dust off every Christmas, but what we see in this story is that we can have on a daily basis as, as we live our lives focused for Christ, we can have the experience of Mary and Joseph. We can have the experience of the shepherds. And we can have the experience of the people who've heard the good news and now I want to share it with someone else. The story of Jesus' birth contains God's promises, God's presence, and God's glory. And each of those things can and should impact us and direct our lives every single day. All this is ours through the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's gift for us to discover every day. Isn't that awesome? This old story has new meaning for anyone who chooses to have it. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to close our service with singing Silent Night. So let's bow together. Lord God, we are just so grateful for this story. I love that when we actually stop and ponder things, there's actually depth there that sometimes we don't give these stories credit for. We just think, okay, this is a historical account of something that happened a long time ago. That was cool for them. I guess it's neat, and I'll think about it again this day. But after that, I'm just going to go on with the rest of my life. Now, I think the story of your birth, Jesus, is an invitation. It's an unspoken invitation because it doesn't say, hey, you should or will you come. But it, it beckons us, God, to come close to you to experience closeness with you like Mary and Joseph did through your promises and through your presence, like the shepherds did through hearing the good news and responding to it. Lord God, for everyone here today, everyone who's listening online, we ask, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would abide within us and that this Christmas season you would spark something in us. We don't want to just go through these traditions because that's what you do. We actually want these things to make a change in our hearts. We love you. And we want to live in that love more and more each day. Amen.